Welcome to Driving the Seabus. I'm your host, Scott McComb. I'm chairman and CEO of a little community bank in Columbus, Ohio called Heartland Bank. My travels really expose me to some very interesting people, entrepreneurs that are world-class people in their own right, but run businesses that are up and coming in the 13th largest city in the country, which is Columbus. Each one of them is is also uh, unique in their own way. Their upbringing is different. Their family life might be different. But ultimately, the one thing that holds us all together as entrepreneurs is hard work and dedication and our love of our people. So that's what we try to do here here on the podcast is figure out what makes these entrepreneurs tick, what makes these areas of Columbus what they are, and how Columbus really became the place that it is today. Welcome back to the Driving the Sea Bus here. Uh, Scott McComb, your host. Uh, today, uh, we've got a very colorful uh, young man who's uh, got quite the, uh, uh, quite the pedigree here um, uh, locally, um, you know, from being a uh, football player at Ohio State to now uh, being an entrepreneur and, uh, and amongst other things. Uh, Zach Boren. So Zach Boren joins the podcast today. He's an American football fullback is what his bio says. And, is that uh, what it says? It's, that's what, exactly oh, fair what it enough. says. Uh, and, and, you know, he played at Ohio State, as you know. I played for the Houston Texans, the San Diego Chargers, the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, he's from Pickerington. Uh, of course, he was a football legend there and also a baseball player. He's ranked number two in the state of Ohio at the time, but chose to attend Ohio State to play football, joining his brother, Justin, who had recently transferred to the Buckeyes from the arch-rival Michigan, um, and <laughs> a football player. Now, and of course, there's a family tie also to Michigan. That's where your father played. No Is doubt, right? but both of my parents went there. So uh, my dad played football, my mom ran track. Um, so yeah, so no, I grew up being a big Michigan fan. Um Always went up there growing up, obviously, with my parents being Michigan grads. We'd go up there a bunch during the fall and see uh, see Coach Schembechler and a whole bunch of those guys. So it was fun, but it was a, it was a great transition. Obviously, I grew up right here, as you said, in Columbus, Ohio. And, um, yeah, I mean, going to Ohio State was awesome, right? You're 15 minutes away from home. You, uh, you're here with so many people that you know. And, I mean, it's almost like you're representing your hometown. It's like high school football all over again. That's right. Now, so when you were leaving Pickerington, where were you? Who recruited you, and that kind of thing? Or what did you always know you wanted to go to Ohio State? Uh, and that was no, it. Or? I mean, I kind of knew I wanted to stay in the in the Midwest. You know, um, my my body type isn't the greatest for SEC or Pac twelve or Big Twelve football. You know, I I'm a little bit more uh, Wisconsin style, straight downhill. You know. Uh, uh, pro style offense but um yeah i mean when i was getting recruited it really came down to probably uh four schools i was getting recruited pretty hard by uh penn state michigan michigan state and ohio state so um those four schools i liked them all um they kind of fit my personality and in my playing style and obviously i i loved uh the, the team up north, as I, as I have to say now, and um, was committed there at one point to Coach Carr early on in my high school career. But once my older brother Justin made the whole transition of, of coming back to 
Ohio State and leaving leaving the team up north, it kind of left me no. Uh, I wasn't going to go there, so then I was kind of made an easy decision of going to Ohio State. And I, I you know, I loved Coach Tressel, loved Coach Fickle, who recruited me. Obviously, you can't beat Ohio State. In, in my mind, it's the greatest university in the world, and so um, I was honored to have that opportunity and and uh, tried to make the most of it. Now, tell me about the the family, though, as a football family, right? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. tell me about your brothers and and you know, so your dad played at Michigan, your mom went to Michigan as well. Yeah. Did they meet there? Is they that did. Where they, met? they did. Uh, actually, they met. Uh, I don't know if you used to watch professional wrestling back in the day. Oh heck yeah! But uh, the Steiner brothers, so Papa Pump and, and okay. the Bulldog, uh, those are my dad's college roommates. Oh, how about and that? so yeah, so. So uh, my parents met through the Steiner brothers and uh, the Bulldog, not Papa Pump, but the Bulldog was my mom's best friend. And so um, they ended up being introduced that way. And uh, it's the reason why why I'm alive. Uh, and uh, but yeah, so huge football family, huge sports family. Um, we grew up worshiping sports. I mean, that's just what we did. You know, every single day it was whether it was working out, training, going to practice, going to games. It's just um, what we did. And so, yeah, I started playing tackle football at age five. My dad coached us all through all through Pee Wee and, um, yeah, came up the ranks. And we we're very fortunate to have successful high school careers. And Ohio State gave us the opportunity to uh, pursue, pursue college football, all three of us. And so uh, it was cool. We all went there. And my parents went on a run of, of 10 straight years of having a son at, at Ohio State playing football. So they did some traveling for, for 10 years. And it was fun. I got to play with both of them. Now you're the middle brother, is I that am. right? Yeah, so yeah. your your older brother Justin played for the Buckeyes, right? Yep. So and yep. then also Jacoby. Yeah, they did. So uh, I played with Justin for two years. My junior year, I played by myself, and then my senior year, Jacoby was a freshman. So uh, got to experience Ohio State football with two of my brothers, which was really cool. That's but special, yeah. But I mean, at Ohio State, you know, and this is why I tell everyone, yeah, it's re- it's really cool that you know my brothers were there, and I got to experience that as a family member. When you, but when you go to Ohio State, I mean. There are so many different guys from so many different backgrounds, and you get so close with those guys that honestly, you have you have 105 brothers on the team, you know. So it's uh, you know, whether it be uh, 18 Sabino from Miami, Florida, or Travis Howard, or you know Johnny Simon from Youngstown, and or Jacoby or Justin. I mean, all those guys are are my brothers, and and that's really the the way we operate at Ohio State, and I think that's why we love it. It truly is a brotherhood. Yeah, I can see that through the players. I've getting to know in my – of course, I went to Ohio State twice, right, major yeah. in High Street first time and yeah. then, uh, graduated the second time. That's but, a great major, by the way. <laughs> it's yeah, a it's fun awesome major. major. They don't give any paper for that. We talked <laughs> no, about no. that on another podcast more later um, on that subject. But, uh, you know, I, I've gotten to know a lot of the players over the course of time with my work with the James Cancer Hospital yep. and the Cruise for Cancer and, and those things. And it truly is a brotherhood. They all support one another. They trust one another. No doubt. Um, and so that's a really special bond that you have, uh, not only with the team, but then to have your brothers as part of that is pretty special. Hey, let's shift gears and talk a little bit about the NFL. So yeah. so you're in the NFL for, for how many years did you play NFL ball? Uh, about three and a half years. Uh, so it was beat around about three and a half years. Uh, spent uh, a year in uh, Houston as a. I got cut twice, got fired twice by them, which was which was pretty, uh, which was pretty fun, <laughs> I guess you could say. Uh, say Not too many people lightly. get fired twice. Yeah, I know, right? Say that lightly. Yeah, I got fired. Got brought back four days later, and got fired a couple months later. Uh, but uh, but yeah, and then went to San Diego and Tennessee, and then my fourth year, I kind of. Spent a little bit of time with Chicago and Kansas City, but nothing really as 
you know, n- nothing really uh, extensive time. But uh, the the NFL is a completely different animal. It's uh, I still have some buddies that play, um, and it's a business. You know, it's it's very much a business. Um, you see guys that that you connect with, and they're there one day and gone the other. And you know, I can't tell you how many times you show up to the locker room and the guy next to you who's you know from wherever right university of whatever and you kind of become close and uh they're just gone the the locker's cleaned out you never see him again you never talk to him again it's like it's the craziest thing that you can imagine especially football right football we we just talked about the brotherhood and the the dynamic of a locker room and everything and the nfl is just completely different right most of the guys have families it's uh that you know they're going home, and so I think that's the thing I not struggled with, but had the hardest time getting used to is that in an NFL locker room, right? Is a lot of guys are married, a lot of guys have family, so when practice is over, they're going home. It's not like college where you're like, "Hey, boys, where are we going to grab dinner? What are we going to do?" Um, and so you you get close to the guys that are single, the guys that are young, the uh, guys that are kind of like you, and. With it being such a revolving door, it's it, it's hard, right? You get to know someone, you get close with someone, next you know they're gone, or I'm gone, or whatever else. And so, um, the NFL is, yeah, it's just a completely different animal. What surprised you most about? I mean, you come from an NFL family, and yeah. So and all yeah. that, but but so you you're kind of going in at wide, eyes wide open, right? Yep. I mean, a lot of people don't have that. Uh, family background and all that, but what surprised you most? Maybe something that you weren't expecting, or, or what was just most enlightening or, or surprising to you about the NFL experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously uh, I was going to live my dream, right? Who doesn't want to go and play in the NFL and and play football for a living? It's what I loved. I still do love the game of football. Um, and you know, I, I knew, like you said, I I knew a little bit about it, uh, but until you really experience it, you you don't get the full extent of what it's like. Um, I would say the thing that the thing that surprised me the most is that from an NFL standpoint, obviously they have to do their job and they're trying to trade up each and every day to make the best roster possible, right? But the, I think the thing that surprised me the most is Tuesday's the off day in the NFL during the season. Tuesday's the off day, right? And every Tuesday, teams are flying guys in, free agents in, to work them out just to try and trade up. So, you know, if if Jimmy has been, you know, busting his tail to become the seventh offensive lineman, and, you know, because they carry either seven or eight offensive linemen on team, they're bringing in five different offensive linemen every single Tuesday just to work them out to see if they're better than Jimmy. You know, Jimmy's giving them everything that they got. So it's... uh. You know, coming from the college ranks where you grow within a locker room, you grow as a team, you're you're busting your tail each and every week during practice. Obviously, games are, you know, it's time to go to to be bringing guys in to try and replace people on your team every single week is just a hard thing to from a player's perspective, right? I mean, you just got to set it in. Every Tuesday, it's your off day. You're going in to get treatment knowing that, hey, they're bringing guys in that are they're trying to replace me. So every single week, you're on edge. You know, not only are you getting ready for, uh, you know, not only are you getting ready for this game, not only are you getting your body right, not only are you working out, you're doing everything, you got to worry about them replacing you every single week. Wow. So, yeah, I got, so I got, repla- I got replaced four times. So the lack of loyalty really is what... No uh, doubt. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of hard to... Uh, 
you know, hard to give a hundred percent when you know that the people that are employing you don't really care. You know, yeah, that, it, that's got to be a hard way to exist. It, it, it is, and I I think that's why so many guys you see it nowadays are so much about the money themselves, right? The NFL game is so much about. And, you know, not to say this in a bad way, but not so much about the name on the front, but the name on the back. You know, whereas in college, it's all about the name on the front and nothing about the name on the back. But, you know, I understand why guys act like it's for the name on your back because you do have a family that the front office is cutthroat. So at some point, the guys that that can be cutthroat from a player's perspective, they are because. The front office has acted the way that they have, you know, so it's almost like, you know, these guys in the NFL that hold out for contracts and want money and this and that, they do it because the front office has their way already. So I I hear you. Well, you know, that kind of is the same way as it is in life, though, too. Right. I mean, uh, it's kind of unique that you say that 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 surprised you. um, uh, But when you get in the business world, you know, it's kind of the same thing, right? I mean, yep. so when you, when people are trying to do their best for who they work for, um, you know, and and that employer for whatever reason doesn't, uh, uh, you know, doesn't give them one hundred and ten percent of the yeah. loyalty that they want. Yeah, you know, we're chasing a chasing right. a fly a around bug. the room right now, just yeah. a little biting fly. Oh, I think I caught it yeah. right there. We'll see. Yeah. We'll cut that out. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, but you know talking about the relationship of trust and and uh, loyalty uh, in general is is really what one makes Ohio State what it is yep. right because that is a brotherhood we there's not you know there's not new people coming on the right. squad all the time this is our team we're going to make it work who's going to take what assignment um, obviously you even your senior year switched uh, you know for the betterment of the team yeah. went from fullback to linebacker right. and uh, and you know a lot of I remember folks talking about that in the preseason and I remember like it was yesterday. Well, what are we doing? Why are we going to do that? Well, he, right. he's never played linebacker before. And right. you actually did a really good job. Tell me about well, that role you. reversal <laughs> and, and what the, and what the team was thinking. And, and I mean, I'm sure the media, I mean, I remember the circle you know, before yeah. the first game that you played on the other yeah. side of the ball. People were like, well, what, how's this going to work out? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was different, right? It, um, I played linebacker all growing up. My dad was a linebacker, so I tried following his footsteps and I always wanted to. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, I mean, it was it was different, right? When Coach Meyer was appointed uh, head coach, and um, he came in my going into my senior year, he sat down with Johnny Simon, eighteen Sabino, and I, and we were the three captains of the team, and he kind of. Uh, we knew a, a new style was coming to Ohio State, right? This wasn't the the Jim Trestle pro I. This was a very intense, high powered, uh, high speed offense coming in and attacking defense. And so, um, yeah, it was one of those things where I knew from a fullback's perspective, he didn't carry a fullback, and so I knew I would have to change some way. And so, uh, so he did. So he worked with me. I ended up losing like twenty five pounds that off season. He uh, found a different role for me, and then we had some injuries at linebacker, and some guys went down, and um, he just came to me and said, hey, need you to play linebacker. I said, okay, that it is what it is, right? I, I had fun doing it. You know, I, I always wanted to play linebacker, knowing I, I played that my entire life growing up, and so um, it was it was funny because I had no idea what the plays were, right? I I had gone against the defense my entire college career when we are practicing and stuff, but I didn't know what the, 
play calls were. I didn't know what they were running. Like I had none of that. So, uh, so the first couple of days I was out there, Coach Fickle, the linebacker coach, actually sat behind me like Pee Wee, and like stood behind me, like moved me in different positions, like where I needed to be. And then I remember going to. Uh, we were playing at Indiana. That was the first game I was playing as a as a linebacker, and we bust there and fly home. It's one of the only places we bust to. But so we're busting there, going to Indiana, and it's a three hour three hour bus ride, right? And I'm sitting up near the coaches in the front, and the linebacker GA and Coach Fickle are sitting there, and they made all these flashcards, and it's like fourth grade class, right? They're sitting throwing <laughs> me these flashcards, and like the definitions on the back, like right. So they call a defense, and the, what I, my responsibility is on the back, and I got to say what my responsibility is, and they flash it to me. Perfect, good. We're just literally doing flashcards the entire day, and. Uh, uh, so yeah, then I went out there and, and played linebacker, and it was all good. The game was great. I actually ended up leading the game in tackles. I have no idea how that happened, but I did. But we were, had one problem. We got up like 21 points going in the fourth quarter, and Indiana started going two-minute. I never went over two-minute defense, so I'm running around. <laughs> These guys are going no huddle. We got different calls for two-minute. I'm running around with chick with my head cut off just trying to help out, but Thank God I had uh, Ryan Chazier was playing next to me, who in my mind is one of the best linebackers in Ohio State oh, history, yeah. maybe the best. And so, and a really uh, great guy. Oh, awesome guy. So uh, he's sitting there on the field. He's helping me out, and we're kind of communicating as, as the ball's flying around the field. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, well, you know, everybody deals with adversity, and yeah. uh, uh, but uh, let's let's uh, shift gears uh, a little bit and talk more about uh, what you're doing now. So yep. now you are an entrepreneur, kind of following in the family uh, footsteps as well. So yep. uh, not only did uh, your your father was a, a a football player and your brothers were football players and that kind of thing, but they're also entrepreneurs. They are, and they uh, have uh, the Bourne family has uh, several very successful businesses, and uh, if you've launched one as of late here in the last uh, several years. Uh, yeah. Tell me about uh, Born Brothers. Uh, yeah, so so first off, my dad uh, started his very first business in 1992, uh, landscaping business, just doing it on his own, went, pulling a trailer, doing it on the side. He was a uh, manager at Consolidated Freightways and was just doing it on his own. And uh, my two brothers have always been involved in family business. Ever since they were young, you know, they were five and six going to cut grass with my dad and you know I wanted nothing to do with it. All I wanted to do was play baseball during the summer, play football in the fall and practice when when it wasn't in season, right? And so um they've always grown through it through college they would do it. My little brother got both of my brothers in the winter, they would go to 5 a.m. workouts, and as soon as 5 a.m. workouts were done, they'd go plow snow or if there's a snowstorm that night, they'd work from 5 p.m. up until 5 a.m., just plowing lots or whatever, and then run over to workouts, work out with the team, and then head back out to work. So that's just what they did. I didn't want anything to do with it. We talked about my NFL career. Obviously, I wanted to play uh, in the NFL. I got a sports management degree. always wanted to do something with that. But uh, when I got fired by the Chargers, came back into town, and um, – my dad, you know, obviously was putting pressure on me like, hey, I don't know if this NFL dream is going to work. You need to start finding a job, this and that. And I go, dad, you know, I, I'm not ready to give up the dream and everything. And so he goes, well, here, I'll make this easy. You're running the Born Brothers business. You can wake up every morning at 4 a.m., work up. You need to work out and uh, wake up, work out, and you need to be in the office by 7. So that's what I did. Would wake up at 4 a.m., go work out. 
uh, being in the office by seven and uh, started Born Brothers Way Services. At that time, it was just one employee and uh, kind of took over that role, hired an admin and a driver. And uh, that was the end of 2015. And then I just started to grow the business. He handed me a, a, a Yellow Pages book and he said, start calling remodelers, restoration companies, all these people. And so I just started calling people. And I literally had a script that I that I read off. And that's how I did it. I just cold call people and uh, grew the company. And now we're doing everything in the waste industry. So it would talk about that though. What, what is everything in the waste industry? Yeah. So, uh, we have a commercial front load line, which are the normal dumpsters that you think that you see back there where the, the dumpster goes over top. You know, we service anyone from a local bar or local laundromat all the way up to uh player's fashion place, big industrial facilities. Um, hospitals, whatever it may be. Um, and then we also do uh, roll-offs, which is like uh, you know industrial roll-offs for uh, big uh, GCs and construction companies and um, I mean all, ki- all kinds of people. So even uh, you know if you're cleaning out your garage or cleaning out uh, doing a remodel in the bathroom, um, there are uh, yeah, I mean we do everything. The only thing we don't do, uh, there's two lines of business we don't do in the waste industry and that's residential. So we won't come by and pick up your trash out on out on the curb, and we uh, don't do medical waste. Gotcha. But other than that, we can do everything in the waste industry. That's awesome. Yep. And so the company's uh, four years old now, something like that. Uh, yeah. So it start it started in uh, in, in twenty twelve, but yeah, technically it was super, yeah technically started the end of twenty fifteen. Yeah. So uh, in the whole scheme of things, I mean, obviously you've had a lot of. Uh, a, a great achievements uh, in your life, a yep. lot of uh, things. Tell me how hard it was to start your business, and and uh, and 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 what maybe what you learned earlier in your career with playing football and playing yep. in the NFL may have helped you, um, you know, start your business and and keep it going. Yeah, th- this is uh, you know, this may be cliche to say, but honestly, I I start I knew nothing about business, don't have a business degree, obviously knew nothing about the waste industry. And uh, I started running the business like I played football. That's what it was, right? I'd show up, I'd, I'd bust my tail every single day. Um, you grind it out, you take pride in what you do, you know? And so um, that's honestly how I ran the company. And still to this day, it's kind of how I run the company, right? Obviously, I've, I've learned some things and learned to adjust as I've gotten older and been, and been in the business. But um I mean, that that's the way it was, right? To me, every customer was the greatest opponent, right? I Not even opponent, but the, the biggest game, right? I had to take care of them. I had to get ready for it. I had to game plan. I had to go out and execute the game plan. And so uh, that that's the way I ran the company, right? Is It didn't matter if it was somewhat super small or super big. To me, it was the biggest game. I had to get ready for it. I had to get my team ready for it. Um, and I had to prepare for him, right? I'd I'd walk in there with you know full on uh, presentation for him when I was telling them how we were going to service them better than their provider than their previous provider. It's just how you get ready for a football game. And so, uh, that, honestly, that like I said, that's still the way that I run the company now. Obviously, um, as we've gotten a lot bigger and from three employees to now where we're at of thirty four, thirty five employees, it's. Uh, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, right? When you're a football player, right? It's kind of you train your body throughout the year. It's it's kind of your masterpiece, right? It, how you prepare during the week is how you're going to play in games. My dad always taught me that when we were younger. He'd show up to practice and said, by Thursday of practice, I knew how you were going to play in the game because I didn't have to show up because I knew how you would play. And so um, 
you know, to me, we don't have practice. Every single day is a game. Um, and uh, I think the hardest thing for me from a business perspective is being a perfectionist from having a football mentality is that people are going to make mistakes, right? It's, it's not, um, you know, we're in the service industry, but you know, you can't make everyone extremely happy, right? I mean, people are going to have some some tiffs or some complaints, but it's about how you react to them, right? And I think that's where I still get caught up sometimes is that I, I try to live in a perfect world where there are no complaints, there are no issues. It's, you know, they get something from us, it's perfection. And, uh, but come on, it's, it's, it's life, right? Not everyone's perfect. It can't be perfect. And so, um, so yeah, I think that's, that's the hardest part of adjusting. Yeah, and, well, being in business, I mean, is not for everybody. Yeah, for, no you know, right. I mean, you're, there's uh, you can be an entrepreneur and work for someone else at the same time, but being your own entrepreneur is sometimes a lonely place, right? I yep. mean, you're the one that's got to get up and do it every day. Yep. You know, and uh, that's what something my father, I guess, instilled in me is he just said, Scott, you're not this sharpest, you know, tack in the box, so you're gonna have to work twice as hard. So you put in your Amen. 14 hours yep. every day, and you're gonna do okay. I'm right there with you, man. No doubt. I was not given <laughs> the uh, the sharpest tools in the shed by any means but yeah you, you just got to do it right i mean it's one of those things you gotta wake up every day and yeah, every day's a new day and it's a different obstacle and um some days are going to be better than others but you got to attack each and every day you're getting my dad told me when you're young you're either getting better or you're getting worse every single day and so you better get up attacking it to get better because getting worse is not good no, not a good day no um, well, talk about how uh, how did you decide on the waste services business? I mean, you had obviously all kinds of opportunity to yep. do anything you wanted to do. What 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 made you go in that uh, that direction? Uh, so my father started it. He uh, he owns three businesses, and uh, in in two thousand late two thousand eleven, he saw some uh, small hook dumpsters we call them that are just on driveways. You know, people cleaning out their garage in the fall, or you know, doing a small kitchen remodel and was going around. It's like, oh, I really only see one company doing it. I think it's kind of a little niche. Um, from our standpoint, we uh, we have um, the other side of the business that my two brothers run, landscape and snow removal. The snow removal side is one of the largest operations in Ohio, right, during the wintertime. And so they've got all kinds of trucks, and they had these 550s that they would put brine takes on and salt spreaders on, and they'd interchange them, and there's a little hook contraption. Well, it's the same hook that you put these little roll-off boxes on. And so during the spring, summer, and fall, they were sitting because we only use them during the winter. And so uh, my dad, being the business guy he is, says we're going to buy a couple of these small hook boxes, and we're going to brand it after – my brothers and I, knowing that we played at Ohio State, being here in Columbus, Ohio, it kind of work out. And so um, that's what he did. He bought nine roll-off boxes, these hook boxes, four different sizes, and that's how the company started. Wow. And so that's great. just kind of happened to get in the waste industry. And then from there, I grew it to larger industrial roll-offs and then uh, got to a point where I was like, dang, well, let's just get in. Let's go all in on the waste industry. So we bought our first front load truck and we've just expanded from there. That's great. Hey, how do you, two things with the business, how do you deal, I mean, you guys have had exponential growth every year. Yeah. So how do you plan and, and deal with the exponential growth year over year? And and then I'm sure there is a people component to that where you're trying to attract and retain yep. quality people that can work as a team. Tell me uh, maybe a little bit about that. How you deal with yep. the growth, and then how yep. you surround yourself with the team, and how do you nurture the team? Uh, so so both so 
both of the things that you brought up is probably where I spend most of my time. Um, you know, obviously the the growth from where we were to where we are now, and every single year growing and growing. You have to have good partners, right? And um, in order to have good partners, they have to believe in you. They have to uh, see the vision. Um, and so we just partnered up with uh, the great bank, Heartland Bank, who I think sees the vision and. Uh, is, in my mind, a, a great partnership for us. And so, um, it, yeah, I mean, our CFO, myself, my dad, my brothers, that's where we focus a lot on, right? Because our industry is very capital intensive and with the growth, you have to uh, be able to keep up. But at the same time, you know, we, we have a business coach. And so I've always had the uh, mindset of, hey, it's a football game, right? It's football. Like we're going to keep on growing this thing. We can't slow down. But all great business, businesses at some point have to plateau to be able to get their feet underneath them and then be able to grow again, right? And so um, we've never plateaued, which is a crazy thing, thinking that the four-year run that we've been on has just been nonstop going. And so I feel like we're finally at a point where our growth has been so good and we've gotten so big that now it's time we kind of plateau a little bit, be able to get our feet underneath us. But it's not a bad plateau, right? It's a, it's actually a great plateau. We're, uh, we have the most employees we've ever had. Um, we've got the most equipment we've ever had, obviously. And so at some point you have to do that from an owner's decision instead of everyone always racing. It's kind of like a, a mouse track, right? You, you have the little mouse and the, the wheels and they just keep on going. At some point the wheels got to slow down so the, so the mouse can catch his breath. And so that's kind of where we're at. Um, and so it's a great problem to have. Um, and then from a employee standpoint, I've been spending a lot of time there and we all know it's, it's really hard to re- retain employees, but at the same time, attract great employees. And so, um, you know, there's different incentive programs that I've put in place. Um, for example, it's, you know, if you show up every single day, do your job and no safety infractions and you're efficient, you get a hundred dollars at the end of every month. Um, we're very big on making our company feel like family. We're our family business. And so, uh, we do certain events throughout the year, like, uh, in July, we uh, rent out the bullpen suite at the Clippers and get like 125 tickets and invite everyone and their families on a Friday night and have fun and and uh, host people then. And then I know in August, I'm taking all my drivers and their families up to Cedar Point. We're doing Cedar Point for a weekend. And so just certain things like that to be able to make them, hey, this is fun, you know, because let's be honest, every day isn't fun. Some days are grinds and uh, you get your teeth kicked in. But, you know, if you can keep a positive attitude and, and keep the guys coming back and let them feel like, hey, you're they're a part of a family and uh, have that have them feel like they have some ownership and what they do, which they do, right? They, they take great pride in in their routes each and every day and their in their trucks and equipment. And so, uh, when you can build that, that's when you have something special. And so, just the, that uh, from the culture standpoint, when you're building that, and you know they come in every morning, bright lights. Are, so my guys come in at three a.m. every morning. It's an early wake-up call, right? But they come in, there's bright lights, there's coffee brewing for them every morning. Sometimes I go in there and try and play some music when, you know, get up there. And uh, But yeah, I mean, it, so it's all about the culture. Well, culture, I mean, and this is no secret, obviously, but uh, quality companies use culture as a weapon. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they they weaponize the culture inside their organization. Um, we we try to do the same thing at the bank, where where we you know I'll ask people uh, if you're looking for a job, this is not the place for you. If you're looking for an adventure, then let's get it on. Right. I mean, that's just how we try to roll. So um, it's great to hear that you uh, spend so much time and and developing your people and and uh, making sure that they know they're appreciated and yep. providing incentives for them, and and uh, that probably uh, has a lot to do with the success of your company. You know, uh, yep. you win with people, right? No doubt. That's what it's all about. Yeah, the business cycle is important too. You made a comment about, you know, well, we got a plateau because we've been, you know, and, and really that's a, a common thing for businesses that are that are your age, right? So you're approaching five years. Yep. Uh, most businesses don't make it five years, yep. right? So one, I mean, you're already in the in the minority of of uh, the life cycle of businesses, and and uh, but that's a very astute that you would say that because that's that's exactly what you should be doing. You should be, um, you know, uh, taking a pause and 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 uh, evaluating where the company is because bigger is not better, right? And if, exactly. you, if you do a lot of things, uh, I mean, if you're growing your your income statement, your balance sheet doesn't mean you're going to make more money. No doubt. You know? <laughs> so no doubt. Volume and net profit they, they, are not uh, related. It's a, it's a funny quote. I'm, I know I'm going to mess this up, but what is it? The top number is an ego booster. The the bottom number is a life changer, right? That's, <laughs> that's, what, right. That, that's what it is. And, and it's true, right? The, the top number is just an e- just a ego booster. That's all it is. Yeah. And so, uh, like you said, you know, you, you plateau it and we've got a great top number, but until, you know, that bottom number gets to where you want it to be, that's where, that's where the life changes come. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's, that's a good money. Well, now, going back to your uh, Hollywood career, just yeah. real quick, that's something we never really touched on. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your, your uh, you had a little stint here with The, the Bachelor, right? <laughs> you were, I did. Uh, tell me about that experience. Oh man, it was uh, it was a lot of fun actually. So we, uh, so I don't know how I get myself into some of these things. You've seen me. Uh, come on. Scott, Scott's a great partner on the Buckeye Cruise, and I spent a lot of time with him on there. And I find myself in certain situations sometimes, and I don't know what it is, but. Uh, ABC runs a special during the fall of like a where are you now type thing. And so they uh, had my brothers and I on in the fall and it gets aired on a Saturday before a game. And it's kind of like, hey, you know, it goes over your football career and then talks about what you're doing now. And uh, so we start talking and obviously get into like a lighthearted kind of joking segment of, you know, what's going on. Tell us some things that we don't know about you guys. And uh, my brothers obviously talked about their families. They're both married, have kids and uh it gets on this thing of, oh, what's something we don't know about each other, right? And so Justin and Jacoby start teaming up on me saying I love The Bachelor, right? I'm like, hey, there's nothing wrong with the show The Bachelor. I actually do enjoy it. I watch it. Bachelor in Paradise is better, but, you know, it's a great (laughs) show, right? And uh, so they're all laughing about this. Well, that was in October, and in probably December, the producers of ABC reach out to me and go, hey, we, uh, you know, The Bachelor's aired through ABC, obviously, and we want to do a local spinoff called The Buckeye Bachelor and make you The Bachelor. Would you be up for it? And I go, uh, let me think about this, right? My dating life's going to be aired all over the news, right? I mean, this could either go really good or really bad. And uh, so they're like, hey, matchmakers are involved, all this stuff. And so I'm like, all right, let me meet with the matchmakers. So I met with them for about three hours one day. They're awesome people uh, called Dating Directions. I'll give them a shout out. They're awesome. And uh, so I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, and so went through this whole process and people had to send in videos and then there were four girls and the matchmakers and I sat down and figured out which one to pick and then went on dates or whatever. And, um, 
it was a great experience. Nothing came of it. I'm still hopelessly single. And, uh, but yeah, it, it was a fun experience. Well, that's awesome. Well, I mean, it, you know, just to have, you know, dealing with the ABC and, yeah, and yeah. the whole, uh, you know, Hollywood thing had to be, uh, uh, even though it was a more of a local spin, had no to doubt. be pretty interesting and, and fun and, and it, all it, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it, it was fun, right? It was, it was a lot Not of fun. Not to mention and, the amount of jokes that your family's armed with oh now for the rest God. of your it's natural so, life. So many jokes. And we go on the Buckeye cruise. and I get, <laughs> How many people are on the Buckeye cruise? Uh, a bunch. Uh, like 4,500 uh, people. Right, 4,500. Yeah. I would say 2,000 of them asked me about the show on that five-day trip. <laughs> 2,000 of them asked me about my dating life in that show. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was fun, right? It uh, It is what it is. And I was hoping it would have, something better would have come of it, but it didn't. It's all yeah, right. That's all right. Well, no, but that you know we're all made up of uh, we're you know collective experiences that we have, right? Yeah. I mean, so no doubt. so you've got you know you've got the Buckeye experience, you've got the family football experience, you got the brothers experience, you've got Hollywood experience, yeah. you got the NFL experience, and now you're an entrepreneur and you got the entrepreneur experience. No doubt. So with all of that, what would you say to young people out there today? Um, if you had to give them a piece of advice on how to be successful in life and and uh, and the aptitude they should have, what what would you tell a young person? Do today? what that is a uh, that's a great question, and it's uh, I have a bunch of friends. I've got an a, a, an older friend who literally is one of my best friends in his fifties. Works for Washstrom, very successful, and we have this conversation all the time, right? And uh, I, I'm, it kind of goes back to my dating life, but it, it's the business world too. And this is what I'm going to say. The, the people that are my age and the younger people get out of the new way. The new way is a bad way. The, the new way of social media controls everything. The new way of caring so much about your perception and the way people think about you. Um, and, and the new way of hey, I, I have a certain belief about myself that I'm this way and I'm not going to listen to anyone else, right? My biggest pet peeve about people in my generation is that they think that way, and I think that may be one of the reasons why I'm single. Not not in a bad way, but it just is, right? But even when it comes to the business world is people need to learn how to put their nose down and grind. People need to learn how to get back to the old school way of, hey, I'm going to earn everything that I get. There are no free handouts. You know, even though people in my generation think there are just because of the social media and the way everyone thinks the world works, it's not that way. And so anyone who wants to make a great career, anyone who you know, wants to go out there and be successful, you got to learn how to grind. you got to learn to make a name for yourself. It's not going to be given to you. Nothing's given to you. Um, and I think that that's the problem with people in my generation, where if you find someone as a business owner, I'm sure you're right. You get a young person that wants to come to work every day and, and not get handouts, but work and earn what they're, you know, you can depend on them and you give them a task and they do it and they don't make excuses and they don't look for someone to give them answers that goes a long way nowadays because there's not many people like that. And, and I think it's a problem with the world we live in now, right? But um, if you're a young person, that's the best advice I give you. Go out there and earn it. Nothing's going to be given to you. Grind each and every day. Um, make relationships. Be true to who you are. Don't try and be someone you're not. Don't try and appease every single person you come across. Know how to have a tough conversation. Know how to say no. Um you know, just just be true to who you are. And I think that goes so much farther nowadays than 
the new way of way people think. I hear you. Yeah, so keep your head down, work hard. No doubt. And things will take care of themselves. For sure. Yeah. They totally will. That's great advice. Zach, uh, you know, congratulations on a great career. And Thank you're just you. getting started on your uh, entrepreneurial career. Yeah, so sure. uh, uh, we'll work on the acting career. Perfect. I look forward I, I need some to help you know, on coaching that. you on yeah. that a little Thank bit, you. maybe. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. But hey, appreciate you being on the show. And uh, thanks for driving the bus. Of course. Thank you for having me. This is an awesome show. Anytime I can help you out, I will. You're a great guy. So uh, look forward to our partnership as well. Awesome. Thanks, Zach. All right. Thank you.